Man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show where you come for the accent and the Frenchy French accent. Sure, why not? That's it. Uh huh. And you stay for the principles. Today's show is going to be a tough show for you all to listen to. Because if you're a long-term listener of this show, you know I've always encouraged you. I've never looked down on you. I've never, you know, said you were wrong. I've always tried to inspire you to say, hey, America, you need to wake up. America, you've got a choice ahead of you. America, you got to choose right or wrong. I've been doing this for a long time now. Doing it over six years on The Blaze. Doing it before I joined The Blaze. Merrick, I come to you today to tell you you're at your point of no return. It is time for you to make a decision, both individually, in your own personal lives, in your daily life, in your work life, but also in your collective country life of what country you want to be. Because I'm going to lay out the case to you today that you're at the precipice of a really bad situation going to happen. And I need you to put away your political mind for one second and kind of go, oh, is there a hidden meaning to what John is about to say for the next 40 minutes? I include everybody in about what I'm about to say in D.C., America, you have a situation and the world has this situation where there is a group running around claiming victimhood status, which is run by Marxists, which is funded by some of the worst people that live today. They have wrapped themselves in a movement in a movement that should be easy for us all to agree on. It's easy for us all to agree, or if you go by the polls, 99% of people, because there's always that 1% of, you know, who are the KKK, that says it doesn't matter about your skin color, it doesn't matter about where you come from, that all lives matter. White lives matter, black lives matter, Asian lives matter, gay lives matter, straight lives matter, rich lives matter, poor lives matter. But you have this movement, and I want to be crystal clear who I'm talking about. 
I'm not talking about the, the average Joe who turns up to a protest in America or in Ireland or in England or anywhere across Europe where this movement has spread to. I'm talking about the group. I'm talking about the organization who on their own website talk about the destruction of capitalism, talk about the destruction of the family unit. You have a situation in America, and it's also spread across the world, where we now seek to remove history because apparently statues are symbols of oppression. It doesn't matter whether those statues are of statues of people who have done really good things. I love all these people in England who think, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna cool. I'm gonna show po- my point. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be part of the cool club. I'm gonna go tear down the Winston Churchill statue. You know, it's easy to talk about history in simple terms. We spoke about simple narratives last week. If you look at Churchill from a English European point of view in the context of World War II, what that gentleman did was nothing short of remarkable. We've spoken about it on this show many times. To show that resolve, to show that courage, to show that defiance when the Nazis were advancing, to be that steady hand for the Allies was incredible. But I also understand that history and individuals are not just simple narratives. That if you look at Churchill from an Irish point of view, if you look at Churchill from an Indian point of view, he isn't exactly a good guy. Why is that? Because things are not as simple as we want to make them out to be. They're not as simple as a narrative as good guy, bad guy. Sinner or hero. We are complex, we are unique, we are individualistic. But even me as an Irishman, I look at Churchill and I'm thankful. I'm thankful because of people like Churchill. Because of the people we salute on the show every week. The brave men and women who serve. That I don't have to speak German. That I don't have to live under a Nazi flag. And if it wasn't for people like Churchill... I would be doing that just now. If it wasn't for the American hero, the American veteran, the English wartime veteran, we would all be doing that now. But even in your own country, I look on and honestly, you know, part of me, if uh, there's the six-year-old part of me that laughed this week, and then there's the serious part of me that going, you, you guys are a bunch of idiots. They're now starting to eat their own with all this removal of statues. The six-year-old part of me laughed this week when I saw, oh, they're getting rid of Teddy Roosevelt out of the the museum in New York. This is the six-year-old part of me that went, good. I'm not a big Teddy Roosevelt fan. You know, the teddy bear, he was great, wasn't he? No, he really wasn't. I didn't, (laughs) I'm not a Teddy Roosevelt fan. There are certain things that I admire about Teddy Roosevelt. You know, the fact the guy got shot and, you know, Literally decided, you know what, I've still got a speech to give. You know, as, as a talker and as a speaker and as a communicator, there's the 
there's that part of me that goes, you know what? That's you got to give the guy credit. But there's the six year old part of me that goes, good. Let's take Teddy Roosevelt. You know, let them eat their own. The first progressive. You know, I'm not a progressive. I hate progressives. I hate the ideology. I don't agree with it. But then there's the serious part of me that goes, are you serious? Is this what you want to do? Where do you stop? Well, at what point do you stop? I saw this week in your country, they just they either tried to topple or they did topple the Ulysses S. Grant statue. Arguably, if you were to make a case in point of history of the person who literally destroyed the KKK, I think I can make a pretty good argument in 20 minutes of how it was Ulysses S. Grant. I'm not saying I'd win, but I'd make a pretty damn convincing case. You might say, well, what about this person? What about this? Yeah, okay. But I think I'd make a pretty convincing argument. Oh, let's just topple his statue. I literally said to someone this week, because I've been working, I haven't been paying too much attention. I'm like, when is Lincoln coming into this? Because Lincoln is going to be torn down too. What happened this week? You all had those protests. And they they even told you today, Thursday night, 9 p.m., we're going to topple the Lincoln statue in D.C. At what point does this stop? Because if you read human history and you know enough about human history, we've been through this before. And we will likely at some point down the future go through this movement again where we want to whitewash history. That we want to make things so simple that you're either good or bad. That you're either on the right side of history or on the wrong side of history. History is not that simple. History is a lot more complex. But to those who are open to tearing down statues, who are like, oh, you know what, I I think we should remove some of these statues. You know, I'm not a big fan of Robert E. Lee. We spoke about the Confederate flag last week. Again, I'm not the biggest fan. I'm right there with you. But should his statue be torn down? No. But let's not make this about America. Let's not make this about racism. Let's just talk about another example about tearing stuff down. And I'll ask you, if you're open to tearing down statues, would you be open to this? Universally, whether you're an American, whether you're an Irishman, whether you're an English person, whether you're European, whether you're Australian, it doesn't matter. You can pick a point in the globe. The one person that we all universally hate, despise, and there's very few people in this world who goes, ah, he was misunderstood. Adolf Hitler. If you want, you can go to Auschwitz. I know people who went to Auschwitz. Is there anybody that thinks Auschwitz has any redeeming qualities? That that history is... Ah, that's that's, that's, that sounds like a fun place to go. Should we tear that down? Should we tear down Auschwitz and go, this is so such a symbol of actual hate. That's the destruction, the pain, the suffering, the anger, the despair that happened. Not just by this statue, but in these very halls was real. We should just bulldoze it to the ground. Or should we look at that history? Should we look at that example and kind of go, this must never happen again. That this was a place in history where real evil, real pain, real despair happened. 
And we must look at this history and use it as a guiding light and a guiding star to say never again. What is happening in your country and it's spread across the world is the whitewashing of history. History does not fit in a simple box of this is good history and this is bad history. It is all history. Whether we like it or not, if we keep focusing on the past, we can never move forward. There has been horrific things done by man. In ever how many thousands of years or millions of years you think man has existed. We have had human problems. Slavery. Racism. Theocracies. Dictatorships. We still have them in certain parts of the world today. This evil. But how do we get forward? How do we move forward? How do we get to a point where we can actually have a conversation? What is the answer? Because if you read enough human history, when this happens, it always historically follows the same pattern. You get to a point where there's discontent. You start whitewashing history, whether you start burning books, whether you start taking down statues. Eventually it gets to the point where not only do we have to focus on whitewashing our history and removing those who oppressed us, we need, need to start doing it to actual people today. Oh, you're oppressing me. Bang. Oh, you're, you're a symbol of hate. Bang. This is why the French Revolution is not something to look up to. That is exactly what happened in the French Revolution, to make it in simple terms. One side felt the other side was oppressive. One side felt that they were righteous and the other side were evil. And they decided to get power. And when they got power, they weren't just happy with getting that power. They needed to make an example. They need to take, they needed to prove a point to the other side. Don't you ever get out of line. And in France, it ended in the guillotine. What are we going to do in 2020? I don't see the guillotine making the cool hip comeback. But you rule it out that you could get to a point where we just peak to start killing people in the streets because they dare have a difference of opinion? What is the answer to this? What is the solution to this? Well, we get to that later on in the show. But before we do, we need to talk about other problems that is happening in your country and around the world. So there's the first hand we have. We have a Marxist organization run by straight out Marxists who want to destroy the very way of life we have. And now I want to talk to you about America and what is happening in DC and the way everything has been framed. Your country, 
There are many things that can kill your country. If you don't stand up to these markets or organization, your country ends. It could happen, it may happen, it may not. If you don't do act a certain way, if you don't vote the right way, your country, yes, it could die, it may, it may not. If you look through history, there is usually one common theme about great countries and great organizations that usually lead to their downfall. And there has never been a country that has survived this issue. And that is crippling your country, your individuals with debt. Everything else may kill you. The chances may be very high. But the focus of every country has to be its finances and what state they are in. Does limited government mean anything anymore? Is this just a plaque we say to get votes? Oh, for limited government, vote for me. Or does limited government actually mean anything? Does fiscal responsibility mean anything today? You know, I was very proud to play a very, very, very small part in the Tea Party. I've spoken at Tea Party rallies. I've spoken to many Tea Party groups. Those ideas are something I hold true to this day. The idea of the Constitution. The idea of fiscal responsibility. I remember way, 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 way back. That's such a long time ago. When George Bush and Barack Obama, and George Bush's last year and Barack Obama's first year, where you had the 787 billion bailout, where the deficit was $1.4 trillion, and everyone in America losing their mind going, oh my God, this is crazy. This is insanity. It must stop. It has to stop. And then this great Tea Party wave started to emerge. Does that mean anything anymore? Does that honest question, does it mean anything anymore? Because if you were appalled by that $1.4 trillion between George Bush and Barack Obama in 2009, I can't think of a word that you must be feeling today. Because your debt, to this day, in this calendar year, is more than that. On June 11th, your debt rose to $26 trillion. And it is growing at a startling pace. Your national debt hit $24 trillion on April 7th, $25 trillion on May 5th, and $26 trillion on June 11th. That's $2 trillion added to the debt in just over two months. That's, let me put that into context. Barack Obama, George Bush, 1.4 trillion to the debt. You've just added 2 trillion in two months and four days. Now it's hard to know what the end of the year debt will be. There are projections about 4 trillion dollars. 4 trillion dollars. That's nearly three times the debt from 2009, which is number two on that list. However, With everything that's going on in D.C., it's likely to be a lot higher. It's likely to be a lot higher for two reasons. One, because of the economy, the tax and the revenue going into the Fed Fed is going to be less than what they're anticipating. 
If you have a second wave and things start shutting down again, it's obviously going to dip even more, which increases the debt. But also because you have bills been discussed. You have the... I love this thing about America. You know, America has many great things about it, but your DC people are, are just so credible that they name these acts which are wrong, which are violate the Constitution, but they always give them this fancy name. And our friends in the Democratic Party passed the HEROES Act on May 15th. The HEROES Act. How could you be against the HEROES Act? What are you? Do you do you not like heroes? I thought you saluted heroes, John. That, so you have to be for the HEROES Act, right? It's a $3 trillion relief bill. Now, am I saying this will pass the Senate and be signed by the President? I honestly don't know. But the President has said himself that, you know, there's another stimulus check coming. There's another stimulus check coming. What does your debt end up by? But let's just put that issue aside for one second. Do you notice everything, the way everything is phrased to you by the media? The Constitution means absolutely nothing to people anymore. It doesn't matter whether you're left or right. The way it is reported on, it doesn't matter. The Supreme Court is currently in session and it's listening to cases. And it has started issuing rulings. I don't care whether you're the Blaze, whether you're the Daily Wire, whether you're MSNBC, whether you're Fox, whether you're CNN. Everything is always framed in the terms of the President. There's been several cases in front of the Supreme Court about DACA and deportations. The ruling on DACA went against the President, and that was the way it was framed. It was, oh, you know, the President has a loss. Or if you want to go from our left, you know, our left-leaning sites, you know, Supreme Court strikes down President's law, makes a stand against this, this tyrannical President. This week, there was a ruling in favor of the president on deportations. And that was still purported. Ah, you know, president gets a great win in the Supreme Court. It never seems to be the debate of, well, is this constitutional or not? Is this actually constitutional? Is this in line with the founders? It doesn't matter. Let's just make everything about the presidency. Is it a win or a loss for Trump? Is it a win or a loss for the right or for the left? Never is it a win or a loss for the Constitution. These three issues, among countless others, should outrage you. You want to know what upsets me the most? I look around and I see the left revealing who they really are. And the right doing nothing. Do you remember all the rallies that the Tea Party held? Does any of that mean anything anymore? Or was that something we just did to be cool and hip? Because it was cool and hip to talk about the Constitution when Barack Obama was president. Do you remember when Barack Obama was called the most profitable spender of all time? Does anyone care about the debt anymore? Remember all the Tea Party rallies about abolishing different agencies? My first speech in America was a, an abolished the IRS rally. 
do we care about abolishing the IRS anymore? Or is it all of a sudden, hey, Trump is president, the Republicans have the Senate, you know, let's just leave the IRS alone. Remember when Rick Perry in 2012 literally literally just derailed his campaign? He couldn't remember the third group of branch of government, or not the third branch of government, the third government agency he would dismantle if he was voted in as president. It was the Department of Energy. Do we ever talk about dismantling agencies anymore? Are we all of a sudden okay with the Department of Education now? Because Barack Obama isn't there and Common Core isn't an issue anymore, but it is still an issue. But we just don't talk about it anymore. Are we okay with the Department of Education? Is hey, Trump is president, Republicans have the Senate, ah, Department of Education is okay with me now. The Department of Energy, are we all of a sudden okay with that? Are we all of a sudden okay with all the other alphabet suit? The CIA, the FBI, the IRS. Are we all okay with the alphabet suit that's in D.C.? America, I've tried my best to be your biggest cheerleader. But you are at the point of no return. You are at the point where this is your last option to wake up this is your last option to do something this is your last opportunity to save your country I'm going to tell you how to do that So is it all dead and gone? Is it all hopeless? Should you be listening to this show going, Oh, I give up. It's John says it's over. No. But what you first must ask yourself is a question that the great Reverend Martin Luther King said. And ask yourself this about the American people, about your neighbors, about your community. He once said, When Americans are given the choice between good and evil, Americans will always choose good. Do you still believe that? Do you still believe that? I do. I believe when humans are given the choice between real good and real evil, they will always choose real good. The problem I see it is that we don't ever talk about doing good anymore or choosing good. The whole argument, especially around your politics, is never about that this person is a good candidate or a good person. It's always the based around the evil. Well, you may not like them, but it's the lesser of two evils. Oh, well, you may not like them, but, you know, they're a Republican. So, you know, that we, you know, you may not like that Republican, but they're all part of the one party. And hey, we can't have the other party because the other party just sucks. Always the lesser of two evils. When was the last choice time you were given a choice between real good and real evil in your country? When was that choice? You've had blips in this in your presidency. When was the last time, just in general, real good or real evil? Or was it the case of it was always, well, that's horrible, but this is less horrible and more palatable. Let's do this option. 
whether it's a bill in Congress, whether it's a vote for a president, whether it's a vote for a congressman, whether it's a vote for a senator. When was the last time you were given a choice between real good and real evil? Because you are literally facing down communism and Marxism right now. What is the kryptonite to Marxism? What is the kryptonite to tyranny? It isn't by standing up and going, hey, their tyranny, come follow me because I'll be more benevolent. I'll be more kinder to you. But I'll still be a tyrant. I'll just be a nicer tyrant. The world has seen this story over and over again. The answer, the real answer to the kryptonite of Marxism, to communism, to tyranny of any name that you want to give it, is liberty, is individual liberty, is individual God-given rights, where we celebrate and unleash the energy and individual genius of every individual that you can, that you tell them that you can aspire to do anything that you want to do. Does that mean you'll be successful? No. Are you guaranteed anything? No. But that you have that God-given right to try. What is the answer to every problem that you face right now? It's the Constitution. Your founders were not stupid. Your founders just didn't go, hey, let's just put this Constitution together and see what works. They looked around at other great countries. They looked around at ancient Greece, ancient Rome, the kings and queens, the monarchies, and said, why did they fail? And then they took it and they researched it. And then they came out with the Constitution because they understood that man should be free, but that there, if men were angels, there would be no need for a government, that they needed to have some type of government, but they fundamentally understood that where there is a role for government, it works best when it's closest to the people. That's why your federal government has extremely limits if you follow the Constitution of what it can do and what it can't do. Because your founders understood that what works in Florida won't work in New York. And what works in New York won't work in Texas. And what works in Texas won't work in Idaho. And what works in Idaho won't work in California. And that there isn't one grandiose plan that will work in all of those states. The idea that you think you can have lawmakers, even if you said and gave them the benefit out of the doubt, and said that they only have the best intentions, the most noble intentions... The idea that you can write a plan that works for New York, that works for Florida, that works for a swing state like Ohio and Pennsylvania, that works for California, that works for Texas, that works for Idaho. Even if you give them the benefit they don't say, they're only good, honest, decent, perfect people. You cannot write a law that will be good enough, that will not influence some really good and some really bad. That is why you came up with this idea called federalism but also the understanding of what the role of government is. The role of government is not to give you rights, it's not to be your protector. Your founders often said, which do you rather, a dangerous freedom or a peaceful tyranny? Your founders always said, choose the dangerous freedom. Because the power is in your hands. When you choose a peaceful tyranny, the choice is never in your hand. It's always in the hands of someone else.
And even if that someone else is good, is decent, is noble, they don't know you. They don't know whose best interest you have. This idea of individual liberty is based around the idea that you know what's best for you. Not some bureaucrat who you've never met in D.C. And it's the same whether you're in Ireland or England. This idea of individual liberty is absolutely key. Because America, as much as you want to say you're a country, as much as you want to say you're a set of people, as much as you want to say you're a nation, at your core, you are all those things, but you're also an idea. An idea that changed the world. It's time to stop thinking about the lesser of two evils and start picking real good and real justice. And it's time for you to understand your history. Because it's easy to look at the other side and go, oh, look at them, they're tearing down the Ulysses S. Grant. Do they know what they're doing? Honest question for you. Is it just the left that are ignorant on history or the right just equally as ignorant? I'll ask one question for you just to think about. If you were a traditional conservative, and I mean, I don't mean conservative as in, oh, I'm a conservative in 2020. I oh, know, I mean a real conservative. That you actually understand the ideals behind conservatism. Not anybody can be a conservative today. And not all these young upstarts who think, oh, I'm a conservative. Oh, look at me. I'm a conservative. You're a conservative in the European sense, not in an American sense. How many traditional conservatives or any American knows who the history of Calvin Coolidge? We have to understand, and I'm not asking this question to put people down or say everyone's stupid. I'm asking this question to highlight something. That we need to start talking about history. We need to start talking about the answers. And the answers are not Donald Trump. The answers are not the Republican Party. The answers are not anything about politics. The answers have to come from the people by reading your history. The answer to tyranny is always going to be freedom, is always going to be liberty. Anything less, and yes, you may live for a period of time, but eventually it will fail. Why? Because freedom and liberty are the kryptonite of Marxism, are the kryptonite of tyranny, nothing else. is this going to be easy no it's not going to be easy because as much as I've talked to you about the decision you guys have to make I have the same decision to make as well I'm at a point where my demons are which I've spoken about in the past are really hurting me I've got a situation where and I don't want to go into bore you with the too many details because this isn't about me, but I'm at a point where I've got to make a choice in my life. And my choice is very simple. Either I can shut up, not talk, speak out anymore, work like hell to try and delete all my online history. 
in the hope of finding work in Ireland and put food on the table or I can double down and speak out and speak out about the ills of what's about to face us and I'm honestly ashamed that this is even a question for me and I'm ashamed because I know in my own head the answer should be simple it's time to double down John you know what's coming whether you're successful or not you must be a voice to speak out because if not you who if not now when but how does one put food on the table you know if I was younger I would have had that arrogance and confidence that said you know what just keep speaking out because you know you're not going to be in Ireland much longer you'll get to America you'll get to live your dream and then you know money then will come but as you're 16 years on this journey the doubts start creeping in that well it hasn't happened yet why would it happen now that my big break hasn't happened I've been on the blaze six years why would it happen now and I'm ashamed to even say that this is a question but I have to to make that decision and I don't honestly would know which way I'm going to go because I fear for both outcomes I fear for what's going to come to America for Ireland, for England if this mob rule because I know how this ends we spoke about it earlier in the show but I also know that what happens if I can't put food on the table you know this wasn't a problem a couple of years ago where because Ireland had full employment now there's a report and it's not a credible report but there was a report put out basically said that for every vacancy that's posted in Ireland up to 50 qualified candidates apply and that isn't going to change anytime soon so do I starve or what do I do I say this not to highlight you know poor me and bring up attention to me or my plight because we all have our own struggles I highlight this to you because I don't know what the future holds for me on this show. But I also bring it up so that you know, because I've always been honest with you, that I know it's not as easy. It's easy to say, oh, look, let's just fight tyranny. Let's just stand up. It's easy to say that freedom is the kryptonite of tyranny. It's easy just to speak out. It's harder to actually act. It's harder to believe in it and follow through. I know that ever who listens to this and actually acts, I understand that the consequences are going to be dear, quite high. Maybe you're going to lose your life, depending on what way you serve. Maybe you're going to lose all, lose all your property, all your money. But right now my demons are telling me, you need to put food on the table and I'm trying to deal with them. So I feel your pain. I know it's not easy. And that's why I never demean you or I never try. My intention is never to be demean you. If you listen to it and you felt demeaned, I apologize. But I've always been to try to be the cheerleader to encourage you. Because you have the answers. You have the solutions. You just have to believe in them. 
You just need to put the party politics aside. You need to understand that what we are living in right now is just another era of learned behavior. Because whether you like it or not, we all have what is called learned behavior. Let me give you a quick example. I love animals. I have a dog. My dog was an abused dog and we got him from a shelter. Everything I've done for this dog in the last seven years or six years, ever how long we've had him, is to love him, is to spoil him, is to do everything you can for him. But there's certain behaviors he still has, even though he doesn't need for them. Because he's a shelter dog and he was with other dogs, one of the things that they do, and most shelter dogs are like this, if they shared a, a, a kennel or a cage with other dogs, is when the meal comes, they'll grab like a mouthful of the nuts and then go away to a corner, let them all down and eat them one by one. My dog still does this. Your dog may still do this. Even though there's no need. He's the only dog in the house. It's it's right there on the kitchen table floor for him. Anytime he wants, he can go to that little container, get nuts, and just eat one by one, even if he wants one or he wants five, anytime. Yet to a T, he will always go to the corner, whether it's in the kitchen or in the hall, with five or six nuts, or four nuts, let them all drop and eat them one by one, and then go back and get more if he wants more. Why does he do that? Because that's the learned behavior. We need to start rewriting our own codes. We are looking at society today and looking at it kind of going, hey, I want to be the lesser of two evils. That's not the issue. We need to stop looking at being the lesser of two evils or better or more self-righteous than other people. We need to start comparing ourselves to the founders. We need to start comparing ourselves to our past and not just going, hey, oh, I suck. I'm not George Washington. But no, but to be inspired to be George Washington, to be better tomorrow than you were today, to be better next week than you'll be tomorrow, to be better next month than you were, you will be next week. And to start that journey towards speaking out more, to living a better lifestyle. To those who think that this can't be done, I want to share a last story with you to inspire you. To remind you that this can be done. That you live in a country that has changed the world. That if I, and I have done this and put it on a t-shirt, that's how much I believe in it. That if I was to put a slogan on America and your history, it would be making the impossible possible since 1776. Because look at what you have done. You overcame the greatest army of the day at your revolution. You overcame them again in 1812. You overcame slavery with the Civil War that pitted brother against brother. You overcame the Great Depression. You overcame Nazi Germany. You overcame the Cold War. Look at everything you have overcome. You've explored everything from the swamp to the stars. Why is that? Because of individual genius. You have changed our very way of life. But today I want to share, it's easy just to say that. But today I want to share one story with you about one person. And I can't believe I'm sharing this because this is not a person I would root for. And you'll understand why when you notice. There's a footballer, an American footballer. And if you know anything about American football, when you finish college and school, you go to the combine. And it's basically like a great interview. And I want to read what this scout said about this individual. This is what they said about this individual at the combine. And I quote, Poor build, skinny, lacks great physical stature and strength, lacks mobility, 
an ability to avoid the rush, lacks a really strong arm, can't drive the ball downfield, does not throw a really tight spiral, system-type player who can get exposed if forced to ad-lib, gets knocked down easily. Now, is that someone that you kind of go, you know what? That person's going to have a long NFL career. You probably think by that scouting report, he was if he got to the NFL and actually even got in game in the game because he's a quarterback, you think he'd be out of the game, what, in a year? Two years? Three years? If you know anything about football, this person not only proved every scout wrong, this footballer will arguably go down as the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Why do I say that? Because this footballer is a six-time Super Bowl champion. This footballer has a touchdown record of 54, sorry, 541 touchdowns and 179 picks. He has passed for 74,571 yards. He has a quarterback rating of 97. And has 22 rushing touchdowns. That scouting report and that statistics don't quite match. Why is that? And who is that? That's Tom Brady. Who, by the way, lost twice to the Giants in the Super Bowl. So, yeah! That's just my own person. That's the six-year-old John coming out again. I share this story not with you to talk about football, not with you to talk about Tom Brady. But if you were looking at America, you might think that same scouting report is true. Poor Bill, skinny, lacks physical stature and strength, lacks mobility, blah, 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 blah. America is done, America is over, America can't survive. Uh, you know, the communists have all got control, they're going to knock statues, they're going to start killing people. And America, the idea is over because blah, 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 blah. If you believe that, if Tom Brady had believed that scouting report, if America believes everything that you have been told right now that America sucks, guess what? It is over. But if you know America and you know Hollywood, you know what the American people like. The American people love a great comeback story. And what better comeback story to offer right now than the comeback story of America. The comeback story where you finally understand why you're an exceptional. It's not, oh, we're American, we're better than everyone else. Yeah! No, it's, we're America. We're unique and exceptional because we don't believe or base our country around government. We base it around the individual. That we're the country that says you have rights from your creator. They don't come from government, they come from your creator. And you can start writing your new story. The greatest comeback story of all time. You can write the comeback story that everyone says, oh, you know, every great country in the world has a lifestyle of about 100 and 200 and 250 years. You can rewrite your history and say, yeah, that might have been true prior to 2020 or 2020. But America proved that wrong. America built it. America built a brighter tomorrow. By remembering why you're exceptional. And for you that starts next week as you just understand the Declaration of Independence. As you celebrate in whatever way you celebrate Independence Day. I would ask you just to take a moment out and think about what you are celebrating. Was it independence from Britain? Or was it rewriting and redefining man's relationship with man and man's relationship with government? That as much as it was about beating the Hessians... It was also about forming a new way of life. A way of life that has never been seen before. And to this day has never been seen again. Something to think about.
I will keep you posted on what I decide about my future if you follow me on social media. And if this is the last time we speak, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. The years I've spent talking to you each and every week that you've invited me into your into your car, onto your phone, onto your iPad, into your house, it's been an honour. And I hope that you have felt some love of America that you didn't have before listening to me. As always, we finish this show by saluting the real heroes in society, your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. Never ever forget America is great because Americans are good. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.